0: Today we're reading Hebrews 10 verses 19 to 39, and you'll find that on page 973 of the church Bibles. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a a great priest over, over the house of God, let us draw near to God. Who has treated as unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them? And who has insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you were enjoyed in a great conflict of, full of suffering. Sometimes you are publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And but my righteousness but my righteousness one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved.
1: Evening, if I haven't met you before my name's Andrew, I'm one of the pastors here at Sidon Hill. It's great you can join us for church this evening. Will you pray with me? as we look at God's word together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have gathered us together, that we can hear you speak to us through your word, that we can enjoy rich and meaningful fellowship with each other because of Jesus. Lord, help us to hear you speak tonight through your word, so that we might make it to the end, so that we might be the people who do not shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It was 2004, a troop of SAS soldiers were sleeping on a remote village in Afghanistan uh, and they were awoken by a grenade explosion as Taliban fighters mounted an ambush. A soldier, Willy Apiata, was asleep on the bonnet of his vehicle and when the grenade went off, he was blown off the bonnet onto the ground. Uh, he kind of came to and realised that two of his fellow soldiers next to him were wounded and one was critically injured. He needed urgent care. Uh, Here's what the citation for his medal said. Uh, In total disregard of his own safety, Lance Corporal Apiata stood up and lifted his comrade bodily. He then carried him across the 70 metres of broken, rocky and fire-swept ground, fully exposed in the glare of the battle to heavy enemy fire. Having delivered his wounded companion to the relative shelter with the remainder of the patrol, Apiata rearmed himself, turned around and rejoined the fight in the counterattack. He just looks like a real tough guy, doesn't he? That picture of him there on, the, on your right. Um, for his bravery, bravery Willie Apiata was awarded the Victoria Cross for New Zealand, the highest award for gallantry. But why did Willie do it? Why would he do such a thing? Well, here's what he said in his own words. Here's what he said. The thing I was most scared of was for my mate. We never leave anyone behind. We've got to go back and help them we never leave anyone behind it's the soldier's creed it's what every soldier learns at the beginning of their basic training and it's a wonderfully strong declaration we never leave anyone behind it doesn't say we try not to leave anyone behind or we'll do our best to not leave anyone behind it simply says we never leave anyone behind no small print no get out clauses no mitigating circumstances no excuses it doesn't matter if it's inconvenient It doesn't matter if it's hard. It doesn't matter whether we feel like we'll get personal happiness out of it or not. It simply says we never leave anyone behind. Now, you think about it. If you're going into a battle, you want to be surrounded by fellow soldiers like that, don't you? You want that to be their attitude. You want that to be what they're committed to. Because it's a terrible thing to be left behind, To be on your own, to be left to fend for yourself, to be abandoned in your time of need. This this sinking feeling that no one is coming back for you. No one's coming to help you. It's a horrible feeling. But knowing others have your back, knowing that they are committed to getting you through, knowing that no matter what, they will do everything they can to make sure you're not left behind. Well, you want to belong to a community like that, don't you? You want to have people around you like that, don't you? Where we never leave anyone behind. Well, if you're someone who trusts and follows Jesus, this is exactly the commitment we're to have for one another. Hebrews chapter 10 calls on each and every one of us to never leave anyone behind. That, that resolve completely saturates this passage here in Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, it begins with a really important therefore at the beginning of uh, the bit that we had read and then it's that, that therefore is then followed by three ways we're to ensure that no one gets left behind. So have a look at verse 19 there, and we'll begin with the therefore. Verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, now it's mid sentence there, but I'm going to pause for a moment. I want you to see that this is a really significant moment in the flow of the letter of the, of the Hebrews. Uh, These few verses, essentially, they conclude what Hebrews has been saying for the previous six chapters. Ever since chapter 4, Hebrews has all been about how Jesus is our greater high priest, how he is offering a greater sacrifice, how he is the one who gives us greater hope, that Jesus is the one who sympathizes with us in our weakness. He has suffered for us and he supersedes the whole Old Testament and the whole Old Covenant. And he does, in reality, what that was just a shadow of. And so over and over again, for the last six chapters, we've just been given this picture that Jesus is the better mediator, the better go-between between us and God, the only one who can truly bring us to God, and there is no one greater than Jesus. And as Hebrews has swept us along with this breathtaking reality of how amazing and how great Jesus is, it all moves to this, therefore... Verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, summarizing everything that we've heard, since we have a great high priest of the house of God, twenty-one verse 21, and here it is, because of all that Jesus has done for us and because of all that Jesus is for us, we get these three instructions. And they all begin with this little phrase, let us. Let us do this, let us do this, let us do this. Have a look in verse 22 with the first one there. Uh, let us take confidence with God, we see. Verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The first command is about drawing near to God with confidence. Full assurance is what it says. Uh, cleansed from guilt is what it says washed with pure water is what it says in other words although we're sinful although we have done wrong things despite all of that jesus is our great high priest he has made it possible for us to draw near to god we don't we can draw near to god we don't need to be shy we don't need to be timid we don't need to stress Because there is no barrier between us and God anymore. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to worry. uh, We don't have any awkwardness. There's no tension anymore between us and God. Because Jesus is the perfect priest who has offered the perfect sacrifice. So we can rest easy in the presence of the God of the universe. And so let us draw near to him. We can come to him in prayer, we can bring our problems to him, we can, we can hear him speak to us through his word, we can come and experience the rich fellowship and community of being one of his people. Now it's possible that as, you, as you've gone through the book of Hebrews with us, and you've been blown away week by week by how great Jesus is and how holy God is, it's possible that you might be feeling scared, or timid, or shame. Well, you might be feeling the distance between us and God. That God is so great and we are so small. But Hebrews says no. Hebrews says you can draw near to God. Jesus has drawn Jesus in Jesus God has drawn near to us and he has cleansed us of our guilt and our shame. So now we can have confidence to approach God. Not because of what we've done, but because of Jesus. We can have confidence with God. So let us keep our focus on him. That is our second let us. Verse 23. Verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. We can have confidence in God because he is faithful. He does what he says. And so we can confidently focus on him. We can confidently hold unswervingly to what God has promised to us in Jesus. And I think the word unswervingly is a great word, a great picture for us. Um, One of the things I do is um, I ride my bike a fair bit around Wellington. um, And uh, without a doubt, the most dangerous thing on the road is a driver who is distracted by their phone. Far and above anything else that is out there. Some call or text or app has grabbed their attention. And they're no longer focused on the task of driving. And so they drift and they swerve. And the thing that's most scary most of the time is they don't even know they're doing it. They don't even realise they've come half a lane over and they're running you off the road. But that shouldn't be us as we unswervingly hold to what God has promised us in Jesus. Not distracted by what others are doing or their opinions, not preoccupied with the worries of life, not absorbed with some other dream, but focused unswervingly single-mindedly orientate ourselves around Jesus and the heavenly realities that he is drawing us to and there's something we need to notice here about the words that Hebrews uses it uses collective language it's not about you singular it's not all about you doing this it's about we together doing this it's let us is what it says let us us draw near to God let us Hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And back in chapter 10, verse 19 to 21, we, it says, have this confidence, a new and living way opened for us. We have a great high priest over the house of God. It's tapping into the notion that, yes, Jesus has done something amazing for you as an individual. He's done something amazing for you as an individual. Washed you clean of your sin, presented you as righteous before God and is taking you to be with him in heaven forever. Yes, he has done that for you. But he has saved us together into this amazing family, this fellowship of believers, these brothers and sisters in Christ. And so now we don't think in terms of me, myself, and I. Now we think in terms of we and us and our. I don't think we can stress this enough because it 's so countercultural. The, the, the cultural air we breathe every day is so individualistic, is so self-focused, and our natural tendency is to think that we are just all individuals on our own, going our own way in the world, and it 's all about my rights and what I want to happen and what I would like to do and what I 'm going to get out of it. But Jesus is the high priest over the house of God. So so just thinking about me, myself and I, it's not how we think anymore. We think in terms of us. And I don't know whether you've realised this, but belonging to a community, like belonging to a community of people who are committed to the same thing and care about each other, it's what so many people in the world are looking for. So many of your flatmates and the people who live in your halls of residence and the people who sit next to you in class and the people that you work with, this is what they actually want. This is what they're looking for. In this last week, I've had three separate conversations with people where they've shared pretty much the same thing. They've said, someone has come up to them recently and said to them, I really don't like Christianity, but you have community. You have a place where you belong. You have a people that you're a part of. You have people who care for you. I'm not a Christian, but I'd love to have something like that. What a privilege we have. We've got what the world wants. Real, rich community. A fellowship that's not dependent on our performance, but simply on the basis of what Jesus has done for us. And because of that, we now share a responsibility to each other, a corporate group responsibility to each other. And that becomes really clear in this last list item, this last to-do thing, to-do, the last thing for us to do. Uh, Because it's all about us taking care of each other. Have a look at verse 24 with me. Verse 24, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Did you see what that was saying there? It's pretty much saying, take care of each other so that no one gets left behind. Whatever, do whatever we can to make sure no one gets left behind. Verse 24, let us consider how we might spur one another on to love and good deeds. Now this isn't simply talking about being nice to each other. It's not talking about just being hospitable to each other. It's not talking about uh, catching up with one another over coffee or sharing dinner together after church. But don't get me wrong, these are all great things, uh, but this is talking about being nice to people for a purpose and being hospitable for a reason and catching up over coffee and talking with someone after dinner with a loving agenda, and that is to spur one another on. This is actually talking to each other about Jesus rather than just the weather or the sport or the latest gossip. Gossip. It's actively helping one another to become more like Jesus. It's, it's helping one another to be accountable and to be honest with each other. It's encouraging each other to stay loyal to Jesus and warning people of, 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 of idols and distractions that might be pulling them away from Jesus. This is reading the Bible with each other. This is actually praying with each other rather than saying what I do all the time, which is I'll pray for you and then forgetting to pray. This is, if you want a concrete example, Hebrews actually gives us a concrete example. This is verse 25. This is not giving up, meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. That's a concrete, tangible thing that we can do to make sure that no one is left behind. And it's worth, uh, worth us thinking about. Uh, do not give up meeting together. Uh, it, it, it forces us to ask the question, how committed are we to meeting together every week for church? Just, just to be kind of a little bit blunt, how small an excuse do you need to not turn up to church on Sunday or to not make it to community group during the week? When you consider your weekend, is gathering with God's people are not negotiable or are you more of the attitude of, I'll come if nothing else happens to be on? Or do you suffer from phobo? I found out this is a new one for me this week. Phobo, fear, fear of a better offer. So you just don't want to commit to church in case something better comes up on Sunday night. How committed are you to meeting with God's people each and every week? I was so encouraged. I mean, a lot of you think your life is hard, um, your exams and stuff like that, um, and that is hard. Um, but... I was so encouraged that last week, uh, someone from our morning congregation came to church last week at night and uh, he did that because he was at work all day on Sunday. This guy's got four kids, he works in a difficult job and he turns up to church, drives 25 minutes to turn up to church on Sunday night because he's committed to meeting God's people. Would you go that far? Would you work a full day and then make a point of getting out to go to church? because you value so much meeting with God's people. Now you might be thinking steady on, I'm here tonight, right? Stop stop picking on me. Pick on someone else. This is for everyone else who's at home doing something else. It is great that you're here. It really is. But can I ask what's the attitude you're here with? Verse 25 it links meeting together with encouraging one another. Is that how you think? Did you walk through those doors tonight with a specific mission of helping others stay loyal to Jesus? Or are you primarily, primarily here for what you hope to get out of It's coming to church for you like going to the movies. It's, it's about you being interested, it's about you being inspired, it's about you being helped. Now, I really hope all those those three things happen each week. As as we gather around Christ and his word, it should be interesting and it should be inspiring and it should be helpful. But Hebrews chapter 10 is telling us that meeting together is not like turning up to a concert or a movie or a show, but turning up to church is more like turning up to a working bee. It's about rolling up your sleeves and doing things together so that we might encourage the other people in this room in their loyalty to Jesus. Uh, Paul uh, often tells us about uh, at the, the very large and successful church that he used to go to in Sydney before he moved to New Zealand. Uh, they have a newish um, supper after the service where all the new people who have come that week uh, sit down and they meet with the senior pastor, the guy who's been running this thing for 25 years. Um, and the very first thing he says at, the, at that newish thing with all these new people who have never been there before, he doesn't know them from bar. so the very first thing he says so they walk in, and he says, we're so glad you're here. before we go any further i just need to tell you this church is not about you this church is not about you it's not about me it's about us all in it together encouraging one another to keep trusting and following and serving the lord jesus and so is that why you are here because if it isn't, Hebrews says you need to shift your perspective. You need to start thinking beyond yourself. Because following Jesus is not just about looking after yourself, but it's about looking after each other so that no one is left behind. Now I know that here at church there are plenty of people who uh, come early. I came at 4.30 today and there was like a, already a swarm of people in the room setting up for music Uh, There's people who will cook the meal this week and next week and the week after. There are people who set up chairs and uh, who will welcome people and serve food and there'll be people who will stay up late and they'll do the washing up. Uh, Some of you will go to church in the morning and look after uh, my children and teach them about Jesus, for which I'm eternally thankful. Um, And then we'll do it all again next week. Some of you catch up during the week and read the Bible together. Pray for one another. Some of you are sitting here tonight and you've realised the five people who you know who aren't here and you're going to catch up with them during the week. And it's hard work doing that. And you, some of us are feeling like it would be easier to pull back and leave it to someone else. Let them have a turn. Because we're feeling tired. We're feeling like we've had our go and we've had enough. But the writer of the Hebrews knows this. He knows that's how we're feeling. Did you notice the words there? Let us not give up meeting together? They know it's hard. That's why they say don't give up. You're not, to temp- you're not tempted to give up on, on something when it's easy. I don't have to tell my children, don't give up eating your ice cream. Don't give up. Get to the end. You'll, you'll, you'll make it. <laughs> I don't have to say that because it's, it's easy. But you're tempted to give up when you're finding it hard. You're tempted to give up when you're wondering if anyone has noticed when you're feeling stressed, when you're under the pump, when you're feeling the strain of the actual hard work that it is. But Hebrews says, keep going. You're a great encouragement. Don't give up. We need to keep at it, as we see in the rest of the passage, because we need to keep at it because there's great danger if we don't help each other. There's great danger, but there's also great joy if we do. I'm going to move much more quickly through the rest in case you're wondering whether you're going to get home tonight. Um, There's great danger if we don't take care of one another. So verse 26, have a look at me. Verse 26, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we receive the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. It's pretty full on, right? Pretty sobering stuff. It's saying following Jesus is not a game. Following Jesus is not a lifestyle. Following Jesus isn't just uh, you know one of many things that you might have in your life. And I know that we treat Christianity like a game sometimes. That we treat Christian fellowship like a bit of a plaything. We dip in and out. We chop and change churches. We play around the edges, and we never actually commit. But this is saying that what we do as we gather together as God's people, what we're on about as a church, it's actually deadly serious, it says. And if Jesus is as important as Hebrews has been saying for the past 10 chapters, if Jesus is the one and only mediator between us and God, if there is nothing better in this world than salvation in Jesus, then you can't get anything worse than drifting away from him and losing everything you have in him. Verse 28, if anyone rejected the law of Moses and died without mercy, they died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, how much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? It's a dreadful thing, verse 31, to fall into the hands of the living God. You see, following Jesus is not a game. And for any one of us to stop and turn our back on on him, to, to stop and start playing around with sin... Well, Hebrews says that's a dreadful thing. That's a horrific thing. That is a dangerous thing. And so let's make sure we can do all that we can to make sure that that doesn't happen. So that we don't leave anyone behind. But hey, Hebrews isn't all stick. There's carrot here too. Um, There's joy for those of us uh, who stick with Jesus and help others to stick with Jesus. Jesus. And for the original readers, we see this in verses 32 to 34. Uh, We can see this joy for them. It it, it happens, uh, it's happened for them, even though they've had a really difficult uh, track record. Have a look at verse 34. Verse 34, you suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. You see, these guys had been through tough times. But they went through tough times with joy because they stayed loyal to Jesus. And Hebrews wants them to keep doing that. They had joy even when someone was like literally going to their house and taking their stuff. They had joy because they knew they had better stuff in Jesus in the life to come. Yeah, take it. But you can't take what I've got with Jesus. so verse 36 you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God you will receive what he has promised because verse 39 we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed but to those who have faith and are saved we do not belong to those who shrink back again I'd like you to notice that this is all in the plural it is all about us together needing to persevere it's about us together. Um, there are some terrible Bibles that exist out there. I don't know whether you've heard of them, but they um, they replace all the pers- all the all the all the all the pronouns with your personal name. Uh, so, uh, for example, uh, it would say, "But Andrew does not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved." And so, what it does is it just makes it just like. Like we need any more help to think that we're the standard of the universe, right? Um, they're a bad idea for many reasons. But one of the things uh, they're a bad idea is that they, they wipe out all the collective language again. They wipe out all the us together language. That is so important here. And even in our English translations, we can struggle a little bit because English isn't like other languages that have a, have a, a, a word for you plural uh, to, to so that we know it's referring to a group of people, not you as an individual And so maybe we just need to add an extra word in here so we can understand what's going on in verses like verse 36. Uh, Because Greek, the original, has the you plural. You can tell when it's talking about you individual or you plural, uh, you group of people. So maybe we should uh, just tweak verse 36 to say this. You guys need to persevere so that when you guys have done the will of God, you guys will receive what he has promised. Because that's what Hebrews is saying. This is about us together helping each other. This is about us together helping each other press on with Jesus. This is about us together helping each other to persevere. This is about us together helping each other not to shrink back. And maybe there's something very specific you could do about this this week. This passage has that little to-do list. Maybe you could have a look through that and and come up with your own to-do list this week. Maybe there's a phone call you need to make, a text you need to send, someone you need to visit. Maybe there's a conversation you need to have just to make sure that person you haven't seen for a while is hanging in there with Jesus. Maybe there's a call you need to make, a text you need to send, a conversation you need to have, a person you need to visit. So that person who's having a hard time, uh, you can help them. So you can encourage them to keep following Jesus because it's going to be worth it in the end. Because We do not want anyone to be left behind. We don't want anyone left behind. Uh, a few years back, there was the, uh, a race at the Triathlon World Cup. Uh, Johnny Brownlee uh, from the UK, uh, he went into the final kilometre with a comfortable lead. Uh, it was the final race of the season, and if he wins this race, he wins the World Series for that year. But a few hundred metres uh, into the final kilometre, he begins to wobble, and he's got that, you know, that. That sickening image of an athlete who's just kind of weaving all over the road and kind of jelly legs. Uh, a few moments after he starts to wobble, the guy who was behind him in second place blazes past. But then comes his older brother, Alice there in third place. And Alice there all but picks Johnny up and carries him the final few hundred meters, and then literally pushes him over the line. It's a picture of Hebrews 10. It should be a picture of us. We never leave anyone behind. We never leave anyone behind. Let's finish with these words in verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promises faithful. And let us consider how we might spur one another on. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everything you have done for us in Jesus. That though we were sinners, Jesus died for us and he has washed us clean and he has welcomed us into your eternal throne room, into your presence. That you have blessed us with your Holy Spirit but that you've also blessed us with your word and you have blessed us with the fellowship of brothers and sisters. And so, Lord, we really pray that you might transform our community to not a group of individuals who just gather once a week, but to a family, a community, a fellowship, who love and serve you and make sure that we don't leave anyone behind. Lord, help us to work out this week how we might encourage one another to keep trusting and serving and following the Lord Jesus.